awesome in this place, mighty God. You are awesome in this place, have a Father. You are worthy of all praise, to you our lives we raise. You are awesome in this place, mighty God, you are awesome in this place, mighty God, you are awesome in this place, Abba Father, you are worthy of all praise, to you our lives we raise, you are awesome in this place, mighty have a good time this morning. Just takes two or three. Amen. Amen. Same key. Let the worshipers arise. Let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. Oh, I'm surrendering my I'm surrendering my all. 
your mission offering at this time, Key of C. <laughs> My heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown, and low in the pit where my sins dragged me down I cried to the Lord from the deep my clay who tenderly brought me out to golden day He brought me out of the miry clay He set my feet on the rock to stay He puts a song Day a song of praise, hallelujah. He placed me upon the strong rock by his side. My steps were established, and here I'll abide. No danger of falling while here I remain, but stand by his grace until the crown I gain. Song, amazing grace, 
All day long, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Oh, he paid a debt at Calvary. He cleansed my soul, set me free. I'm glad that Jesus did all my sins erase. Well, I now can sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. All day long, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. And one day He's coming back for me to live with Him eternally. Won't it be glory to see Him on that day? I then will sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. All day long, Christ Jesus paid a debt that I could never pay. Oh, and He paid a debt, did not owe I own a debt. I could not pay, needed someone to wash my sins away. Now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace. Jesus paid a debt I could never pay. Amen. I'm so thankful for that. doesn't matter if you ever went out in the world or not. We all had a debt we couldn't pay. Amen. Key of F. <clears throat> I keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again. I keep falling in love with him over and over over and over again well, he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by oh what a love between my lord and i i keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again i keep falling in love with him over and over again i keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again he gets sweeter and sweeter as the days go by oh what a love between my lord and i i keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again i keep falling in love with him and over and over again Falling in love with him over and over, over and over again. He gets sweeter and sweeter. Oh, what a love between my Lord and I. Over and over, over and over again. Amen. Amen. Certainly happy to have Brother Caleb Campbell and the family with us today and his parents here, Brother Brad. His dad has a song for us, so if he could go ahead and come on up at this time. Amen. You can be seated. It's good to see Brother brother Larry and the family there. God bless you. We go way back. God bless you, saints. Happy to be in the house of the Lord. No better thing than to be what? Christian. 
Amen. We serve a wonderful God. If there isn't anything else I'd rather be than to know that I've got a God that loves me and takes care of me. You know, we're always praying, Lord, what can we do for you? What can we do for you? I'll give you an idea. Next time you have nothing to do, go get $20 out of the bank. Go drive around and pray and find yourself a homeless person. Or find yourself somebody in a wheelchair and just give them that money. Those are the kinds of things we're supposed to do as Christians. Amen. So if you want something to do for the Lord and you don't know what to do for the Lord, do something simple like that. Just a little thing. Because the little things are important. Amen. If you know this song, I'd like you to sing it with me. As a matter of fact, why don't you all stand up? And we'll sing this as a worship song, and you guys can be my, my, uh, my backup singers. You know this song anyway. Will at night... Uh, <clears throat> let's just start off with the chorus. I'm a little nervous. And at night I lay in bed And I begin to cry When my mind just fails to know exactly why, well, I can't explain with tongue or pen, spirit groaning deep within. Sing it with me now. I feel Thank you, Lord.
was certainly inspired by a lot of the songs he wrote. Amen. We'll go to the Lord in prayer at this time. Um, let's remember um, those that will be traveling back today from Kentucky. It's quite a lot. So let's remember them um, on the road back. Lord, give them traveling mercies. Amen. And let's continue to hold up Sister Erica Parker. The Lord will strengthen her during this time, just believing a special touch for her, and also strengthening Brother Donnie and the family up there at the church there in Tennessee as well. Amen. Sister Sharon Van Wick, as she's going through her treatments, hold her up. Holly Cox, hold her up as well. We know God's got it all in control. We're not asking him to do it. We're just thanking him in advance for doing it. Amen. Brother Siggy, if you don't mind this morning, come take us a Lord in prayer. Anybody have an unspoken prayer request this morning? Precious Heavenly Father, we're so thankful, Lord, to be gathered, Lord God, in your house, Lord God, this morning. Father, our hearts, Lord God, are yearning, Lord God, to hear a word from you this morning, Lord Jesus. And Spirit of a living God, even as with Brian read, Lord God, these requests, Lord God, so many of them, Lord. And Father, we keep adding, Lord God, to them each and every week, Lord God, for we know, Lord God, the needs of many, Lord Jesus. But Father, we also know, that, Lord God, there is nothing too hard for you, Lord Jesus. And Lord, that you ask us, Lord God, to bring our burdens before you, Lord God, and just to leave them there, Lord God. And 
Spirit of the living God, we pray, committing each and every one, Lord God, that is traveling, Lord God, today, Lord God, to come back, Lord God, to, to your homes, Lord God, and to your fellowships, Lord God. Would you be with them, Lord God? Would you give them uh, traveling mercies, Lord God? Would you watch over them, Lord God, on the highways and on the byways, Lord God? And Father, bring each and every one of them safely home, Lord God. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Spirit of a living God, all these requests, Lord God, that, oh, we're read off, Lord God. We, oh, just can't mention each and every one of them by name, Lord God. But, Lord, we know, Lord God, that you know each and every request, Lord God, behind, oh, the names that were mentioned, Lord God. You know what the needs are, Lord God. And, Father, Lord God, we don't, know, we, don't, we don't need to know, Lord God, oh, what the needs are. You already know those needs, Lord God. We ask that you would come, Lord, and take up the preeminence of each and every one of them, Lord. Would you reach out, Lord God, to the individuals, Lord God? And, Father, would you begin to minister to them, Lord? Would you begin, Lord God, to give them strength in your vessels, Lord God? And, oh, may that healing process, Lord God, continue, Lord God. Oh, Father, to permeate, Lord God, through your vessels, Lord God. And we want to thank you, Lord God, for what you've already done, Lord God, and what you're doing even right this moment, Lord God. We ask that you would, oh, just go and brood over each and every one of them, Lord God. And we shall be careful, Lord, to give you the praise, Lord God. Once those praise reports, Lord God, do come, Lord God. And, oh, we'll be more than careful, Lord God, to give you the praise. Father, we pray committing your servant, Lord God, Brother Caleb, Lord God, this morning in your hands, Lord. We ask that, Lord God, you would take up the preeminence over him, Lord. Oh, would you lift him up, Lord God, where he belongs, Lord God. And Father, would you, oh, Father, just remove his mind, Lord God. And Father, would would, would, would that mind be replaced, Lord God, with the mind of Christ, Lord God. And oh, may he speak, Lord God, to our needs, Lord God, this morning. Oh, would you use him, Lord God, to minister, Lord God, to our needs, Lord God. And would you use him, Lord God, oh, Father, to speak, Lord God. Oh, Spirit, let truth, Lord God, oh, to each and every one of us, Lord God. And oh, may those, Lord God, words, Lord God, oh, Oh, just lay in our hearts, Lord God, and may they germinate, Lord God, and oh, Father, may they become, Lord God, oh, what we need, Lord God, to thrive, Lord God, in this day and time, Father, and at the end of it all, we shall be more than careful, Lord, to give you the praise, to give you the honor, for this we ask in Jesus Christ's name, now and forevermore, amen. Amen. Once again, so thankful for Brother Caleb and the family being able to be with us today. Brother Caleb's only been here a couple times, I guess, but he's always been a blessing. So let's just pull upon the gift that the Lord has given our brother. Let's make him feel right at home and, as our pastor said, wear him out. Amen. Uh, Keep see. Lead me, Lord, I will follow.
appreciate all the worship and the singing. Uh, appreciate the invitation from your pastor to be here this morning. Uh, it's been a little while since we've been here, but we're glad to be here. Amen. Amen. You know, are we looking forward to what the Lord has to say? I mean, do we come expecting this morning? Amen. My wife and little girl are here with me, and my parents came as well. Sure, appreciate having them with us. Amen. I know the, the church has been praying for us over the past several months. I just want to thank each one of you for that. and We love and appreciate those prayers that have been carrying us through. Amen. Amen. The enemy tried to frustrate the purpose to be here this morning. Had some car trouble, but as, a, as my pastor always likes to say, the devil ain't nobody. Right. The devil ain't nobody. God worked it all out. All right. You know, many times when the devil tries to fight something, I think yes. he's worried about it. Yes. So... Uh, I like to make the devil worry. Amen. Amen. Pray this morning can uh, be a blessing. We'll try not to hold you too long this morning. So let's open up the word. Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah 40 and verse 25. All right, it says Isaiah 40 verse 25. It says... To whom then will ye liken me, or shall I be equal, saith the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who hath created these things, that bringeth out their host by number? He calleth them all by names, by the greatness of his might, for that he is strong in power, 
not one faileth. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speaketh, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God? Hast thou not known, hast thou not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. Amen. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall fail and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We're going to turn to one more verse there in Psalms 147. And verses 5, it's just one verse, Psalms 147, verse 5, and it says, Great is our Lord, and of great power, His understanding is infinite. Amen. I'm going to just take a thought this morning out of those, by the help of the Lord, trusting in the infinite word. Amen. So, amen. Let's just go before the Lord this morning. Precious Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just approach Your throne this morning. Lord, before we even stepped out here, Father, we ask that you would be the one that would step before us, Lord. We pray that you would be the one ministering to our hearts this morning. Lord, no doubt many of us here have many needs, Lord, and, but we know that the Word is a discerner of our thoughts and our intents, Father, so we pray that you would discern those things today, Lord. You be the minister, Father. I pray you'd anoint the speaker, Lord, anoint the hearer, Lord God. I just pray that the entire service, Lord, can give you glory, honor, and praise. We commit it now into your hands in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you take your seats this morning. Our opening scripture there in, in, in Psalms points us to a God of great power and one whose, whose uh, understanding is infinite. We're going to go on a little journey this morning, so I just have a few quotes I'd like to set a foundation with. Brother Branham says in the conflict between God and Satan in 1962, he says, In Eden... God knew his enemy and all the attacks of his enemy. Now, God is the infinite God, and the infinite God is the perfection of perfections. He knew all things before they ever was. Now, therefore, if this infinite God could have looked forward, and he did, and seen the end from the beginning, he knew that he would have children on this earth, his own blessed children. Don't you believe that he would provide for them the best that he could? Would you not tonight, to your children that was helpless little fellows who can't take care of themselves, don't you struggle and work and do everything you can to provide the best you can or able to provide for those children because you're a father or a parent? And if that be what I would say, the trueness and the thought of an earthly parent and a parenthood originated in God because He was the first parent. Don't you think that God, seeing what Satan would be, what Satan would do, would give His Give to his children, provide for them the best thing that he could provide for them. Knowing and knowing what the enemy's attack would be, God fortified his children. Amen. The definition of the word infinite is limitless in space, extent or size, impossible to measure or calculate, um, indefinite, endless, inexhaustible, subject to no limitation or external determination. Brother Benham goes to say in that same sermon, God knew this great warfare was coming on between right and wrong, and He knew what the enemy was going to do. He knew just exactly how to equip His people. So if we notice, the first thing that God equipped His children with, being infinite, 
knowing what it took to defeat Satan anytime, any place, and on any condition. Now, he wouldn't say, I'll give them something here, and then a few late years later, I may study out to give them something better after a few years. That's what we do. And he says in military force, the old bow and arrow, and the sledge, and then and the rock and hammer, then next was the, the musket, and the musket came to Springfield, and now the atomic weapons. See, we keep advancing, but God started off infinite. Amen? Amen. Brother Brenham says, but God at the beginning gave His children the atomic weapon because He's the infinite God. Hallelujah. Now, seeing there was going to be a conflict, that there was going to be a battle, God equipped His children with the right kind of ammunition, the right kind of attack, the right kind of everything that they would have need of, that they would sweep them all the way from Eden to the rapture. Glory to God. What was it? The Word. The Word. That's what defeats Satan is the Word. It'll defeat him any place. Now, why do you want to substitute anything else when we've got the best thing that there is to defeat him? The Word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you for that Word. And he goes on to say, and look where it is. It's not just for one or two in a church. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the deacons. It's not just for the song leaders. It's for every single one in the church. It's for every one of us. Every believer has a right to take the Word and fight the enemy wherever you meet him. Anywhere you meet the enemy, the Word is what you have to use. And Jesus proved it when He came. He equipped His children with the Word and their protection against the enemy when all the warfare, the battles were set in array. And there's only one thing that a real soldier can use. And our real soldier was Jesus. And the one thing that He used was, Thus saith the Lord, it is written. Satan, you want me? You want to tempt me with, with your words. You want to tempt me with these things. But it is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that cometh out of the mouth of God. Satan in Eden says when he come to attack, to attack a person knowing the children of God was fortified by his word. Satan attacked the word, see? He never attacked the being at the beginning. He attacked the word first. Back there in Genesis, my pastor preached a, a sermon on this, but uh, back there in Genesis, he picks up and, you know, the, the, just the word there that, that he uses Eve, he starts saying, you know, your Lord God, your Lord God. But then he kind of moves back and he says, but God said, hath God said. See, he takes the position of God up here and he just moves it down here. He goes from God, he goes from Lord God to Lord God. That's what he does sometimes in our life as believers. He'll move, he'll move something that you see up here and then you'll just have a little bit of compromise and then it moves down here, then it's not a big deal anymore. It is a big deal. The definition to fortify means to strengthen and secure, to give physical strength, courage, or endurance, to add mental or moral strength, to encourage. But if they would have just stayed with the fortified word and let their word be their fortress, Brother Branham said, then they'd have been fortified. They'd have been behind the word. The word would have been in front of them always. Thus saith the Lord, thus saith the Lord, right or left. So from the very beginning of time, God knew the enemy would attack and He knew how the enemy would attack. He was actually, He created him so that we would have something to attack us against. Amen? That, that's the reason. They're all, everything was formed was so that we could get into a place of perfection for God. Hallelujah? So He fortified His children with the one thing that they would need throughout all the ages being His Word. 
Moving further, Brother Ram says this in the, in the seventh seal. He says, you know, if I'm planning on doing something, I would better, it, I'd know better than to tell anybody about it. Not that that person would tell it, but Satan will hear it, see? He can't get it in my heart there. As long as God has got it closed up in His Holy Spirit, so that's between me and God, see? He don't know nothing about it until you speak it and then He hears it. Oh, He can't discern your hearts. God can. Satan cannot discern your hearts. And I tell people, and I've tried, I tell people to do a certain thing, and I watch the devil cut off every wheel he can to get there and see to beat me. But if I can get the revelation from God and don't say nothing about it, it's, then it's different. We can't let Satan get a hold of certain things. He says, going on in that same, he says, now why if Satan get a hold of it, he might do a great damage with it. And there is one thing he don't know now. He can interpret anything he wants to and impersonate, impersonate any gift, but he can't know this. It's not even written in the Word. He's talking about the seventh seal, but I'm talking about the, the tactic that the enemy uses. Amen? The angels, everything shut up. If they made one move, it might give something away, so they just shut up, quit harping, everything stop. silence in heaven. It will be a good thing that he, he doesn't know anything about it because if he did, then he would try to impersonate it. That is his trick in doing things. Satan's trick is when he gets a hold of something, he does everything in his power to cause a great damage to it in our lives. You know, Satan hates being exposed, amen? And sometimes the Lord doesn't reveal everything right away to us. He has his own ways of doing things. He's an infinite God, amen? He's, that the God I serve is infinite. But he's, he, sometimes God do, does as he chooses. And, it, and it's because maybe he sees that if he does reveal it to you, if he does tell you, then maybe you would tell someone or maybe you would pray about it or maybe something would happen and then the devil would get a hold of it and try to counterfeit it in your life. And so in doing that, he, he, sets, it, he sets up the stage beautifully and he teaches you that Isaiah 40 principle. That, I, that they that wait upon the Lord, they shall renew their strength. Now, that is a promise from God. Your strength shall be renewed. But sometimes it takes waiting on Him because He's infinite and so He knows exactly what you need when you need it. Amen? The enemy might try to get a hold of it and trick it and counterfeit it. <clears throat> By doing this, just moving through some, through some warfare in the Bible, the first enemy to ever attack Israel after being delivered from bondage was the Egyptians, the very enemy that was driven to release them. Their, you know, their tactics were cunning. If you go back and you read, you know, they, they had their strategy was, was flawless. They had soldiers, they had weaponry, they had chariots. And, you know, the Israelites had just come out of slavery at that time. They didn't have any warfare. They didn't have any weapons. They didn't have any training. They didn't spend 400 years training for battle. Battle, they spent 400 years in bondage, and, and and so there was no, there wasn't warriors in that in that battle. So, <clears throat> you know, Israel came to a point where they were cornered, and you know sometimes the enemy can get us in this. You know, you're backed up, you got three, you know, enemy on three sides, and then a Red Sea right behind you, and so you don't know what to do. Amen. And really and truly, sometimes, especially in that situation, when we go through things like that, it seems like those are defeats. But God had it planned out the whole time, amen? He had it planned out before time even existed. You know, most oftentimes, His plan, God's plan, goes against anything that's believable. He said, and Moses said unto the people, Fear not, 
Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. And ye shall hold your peace. The Lord shall fight for you. Sometimes we get into a situation and you, you, know, you, you come to this point in your life and you say, stand still. That goes against everything I would feel. That goes against every emotion that I've ever had in my life. That goes against human reasoning. Why would I stand still? I at least need to you know, scurry and try to figure You stand still and you watch the salvation of the Lord. In other words, you trust me doing the very thing that makes the least amount of sense to you. Trust me and you will see me. Amen. Amen. And we know the ending of that battle. We know that the battle was the Lord's and His Word prevailed. He fought for them. Hallelujah. Many times, <clears throat> many times in Israel's history and even in warfare outside of Scripture, brave men had come against insurmountable odds and they've overcome. You know, there's a quote from, from Sun Tzu's The Art of War. It says, Every battle is won or lost before it is ever fought. Winston Churchill comes in the spring of 1940 with words that have echoed throughout history. France had just suffered this great loss and it seemed as if Germany was, gonna, was gaining headway in the war. And he comes to address the nation. Thousands of soldiers were discouraged. There was a discouragement among nations. And he comes to address this thing. How many times in our life do we come in, in these points where we're so discouraged? The enemy has caused us to fall or falter. Or maybe there's somebody in our life, our family, and it just seems so discouraging. Never forget, saints of God, we are fighting a war. We fight against principalities. We fight against powers. We fight against the rulers of the darkness of this world. And the prophet makes that statement. He says, we have a worthy adversary. And he knows how to fight. He knows where to attack. And it can get you discouraged sometimes. Churchill says, we shall fight on the seas and the oceans. We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall defend our island, whatever the cost may be. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and on the streets. We shall fight on the hills. We shall never surrender. And those words have echoed through and have caused many men and women to look at those verses, look at those things in the word, in the word fear ye not and stand still and see the salvation of the Lord come to play in your life. You know, sometimes the salvation of the Lord in our life doesn't exactly look like the thing that we think it should look like. Sometimes when we're going through a situation, we have a travail in our life, we're going through a trial or a circumstance, sometimes the deliverance of that thing doesn't look like how it should look like. But God is still infinite. And His Word will prevail. We will suffer losses along the way. Travail may come and overwhelm us, but be strong and courageous, saints of God. We shall never surrender. Hallelujah. One day, a few hundred years later, earlier, a battle took place. Brother Branham dramatized it so well. Me and my dad were just discussing it last night. A man by the name of Arnold Van Winkard was fighting with his Swiss brothers, and all hope had been lost. They were outnumbered. Brother Branham, I love the way he tells it. Brother, Brother Branham said they were outnumbered 50 to 1. They were hopeless. Their families' lives were at stake. 
And this man, Arnold N. Winkler, stepped out and said, This day I give my life for Switzerland and the homelands. Something rose up in him, amen. A courage rose up in him. And they asked him, they asked him the countless question. Oh, you know, when you're standing there and you're seeing something and they say, What shall you do? What will you do? This was the question of the ages. What will you do? He said, down in the valley yonder is a lovely little home where my wife and my children, they're waiting for me to come back, but they'll never see me again. For this day I shall give my life for my country. And he says, what what shall you do? They said, what will you do? Now every one of you have got weapons. He says, come follow me and do the best that you can and fight with what you've got. Do everything that you got with what you got. And he screamed. You know what he did? He screamed. He threw his weapon up. And he ran into that army. Oh, and all the spears, he took them out. And he died of death right there. But it caused the stir to go through those soldiers. And it caused a break to happen. It caused the enemy to get discouraged in a way. And an opening to happen. And that day, victory was found in the Swiss army. Hallelujah. If courage can hold that much weight in men and women who fought gallantly in war, how much more should it stand in men and women of God who have a word that is from the ages, from Eden to the rapture? Hallelujah. Brother Branham says, on the day, on the day of the son of Adam was standing there defeated, Standing there defeated, the sons of Adam, laws and prophets and everything had failed. Every approach that we had made had totally failed. And yonder in glory stepped one out called the Son of God. And the angel stood there and said, what will you do? Oh, he said, I'll go down and I'll give my life. And this day I will redeem the fallen sons of Adam. He came to Calvary with the thickest of spears. He went through the valley of the shadow of death for you and for me. Pull all the enemy into his bosom and called the church to take what you've got with the best and do the best you can with what you got. Hallelujah. Glory to God, saints. The Israelites come in the battle after the Red Sea and they sing their letters of praise. I love this. They sing Moses and the children uh, there in Exodus 1. And they spake, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphant gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. He is my God, and I will prepare him a habitation. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. Then he comes and says, The Lord is a man of war. And the Lord is his name. Glory to God. I love that. The Lord is a man of war. The God we serve is a mighty warrior. He is the captain of salvation from Joshua. He is the mighty conquering angel from the book of Revelation. He is the Lord, a man of war. My goodness, I love when God gives us little insights into His battle plan. You know, the very next battle that they came across there in the Old Testament when the Amalekites came and attacked them from the, their flank, Exodus, the 17th chapter. 
Again, their army, their enemy was more versed in military strategy. They had been trained to fight. If you go read about the Amalekites, and Israel had just spent time in bondage. They had just gotten over the, the course of the Red Sea with no experience in warfare whatsoever. Those things don't matter to God. Amen. You know, the only man in that entire bunch with any military training at all was Moses. Right? He had spent time in, in, in Egypt. But he sent Moses on top of the mountain to hold his hands up and pray for those in battle. God didn't need that. He didn't need the military strategy of Egypt. All he needed was a surrendered life. All God needs is a surrendered life to win any battle you ever face in your life. He was raising up a warrior named Joshua to be one of the greatest military leaders in all of history. The Lord's ways are past finding out. You know, our weapons are a little bit different than guns and atomics and and, and bow and arrows. Our weapons, you know, we sharpen our experience with faith-building sermons. Amen. We stay steadfast and fervent in prayer, our, our dedication to the Lord. We rededicate our lives every morning with fresh anointing from the Holy Ghost. We surrender freshly. We keep a humble and a repentant heart before the Lord always. Those are the things that sharpen your weapons. Those are the things that get you through the Mondays and the Tuesdays and the Thursdays and the Fridays. Hallelujah. We read of another battle there in the book of Joshua 5. The captain of the Lord's host appears to Joshua, gave Joshua a command, come past the city six days, and on the seventh day, you're going to walk around the city seven times. And do it on the seventh day. You know, and on the seventh day, they had to get out of the discouragements of life. They had to get out of bed, and they had to, they had to face real life. They had to face real things. You know, there was two and a half million people that had to go around in a circle for six days. And then on the seventh day, they had to go around it seven times. I don't know how long that took, but I would imagine that it took a while. And it took some faith to get there. But they had a word from God that the seventh day would happen and that Jericho's walls would be defeated. I heard this preach not long ago and it struck me. In Joshua 6, 3, they're commanded, go around the cities for, for six days. You know, and the first day came, the second day came, the third day came, nothing happens. Sometimes in our life, we have the Mondays and the Tuesdays, we're praying, we're asking the Lord to do something for us. You know, we're praying for a family member. You know, we're asking the, the Lord would really just cut a chain in our life or, you know, break this off or do this or do that, deliver us from something. And maybe it doesn't happen on the Mondays or it doesn't happen on the Tuesdays but there's a promise that it will happen there is a promise that whatever you have need of will come to pass and the the Thursdays and the Fridays and the day threes and the day fours they don't make a difference but those are the most important times because those days are what lead you to the day seven 
Those days where you get up out of bed and you, you surrender your life freshly to God and you read your Bible and you open it up and you know sometimes it takes even a few minutes for, for, the, for the distractions of life to stop. So you have to, you have to just read to read and then finally you can enter in. Finally you can separate yourself a little bit and then finally the atmosphere can change a little bit. Finally God can come in and actually speak to you. You know there's real value in getting alone with God. There's real value in spending time alone with your Creator. You know, there's so many distractions that we have in life. We have our phones, and we have we have our jobs, and we have our things that we have to do. I understand that we have to do it. But there is something so precious in getting alone with God. There's something so amazing about it because all of those things that seem like they weigh you down you get into that presence for just a moment for just a moment and all of them just they just fall away they just break away off of you amen you know but sometimes you have to wait on God glory to God it's in waiting on the Lord that's the true test of faith you know, if every day was a Jericho defeating, walls falling down, miracles at every turn kind of day, we wouldn't even need faith. We have to have those days. We have to have those days where we press the battle. Where we get up and we read the Word. We listen to the prophet. We hear that Word and the inspiration strike our hearts. And we say amen to it, not just verbally, but with our lives. We, we allow those things that are weighing us down, the besetting things, to fall off of us. And we allow the Lord to just change us from glory to glory. Glory, amen. glory to glory. Amen. Hallelujah. And you know that journey... That journey to get to our seventh day, that day is coming, friends. Oh, glory to God. That day is coming. One of these days, I just did this, the study on, on, on rocket space shuttles, and one of these days, it's gonna, the pressure's rising. You know, when you get into a, a space shuttle and they're getting ready, there's actually this new project that, that, that NASA's come out with. It's called Artemis. And, you know, their, their eventual, their eventual, uh, their fourth step or the third step, it's gonna take them further into space than mankind has ever gone before. Yeah. Next year, I think November 2024. But in order for that space shuttle to get from this atmosphere to the next atmosphere, there's a lot of things that have to happen. There's an enormous pressure that has to build up. You see, if you look at that space shuttle, there's two rockets attached to it, and then behind it, there's this giant fuel tank. You know that fuel tank weighs almost 20 times that of the actual space shuttle. And in order for that space shuttle to reach out and go from this place to the next place, it actually, it actually has to come to this point where it reaches a velocity called the escape velocity. It's got to move past the sonic speed of sound where faith cometh by hearing and hearing every word of God. Amen. It's got to move past that. And it's got to, once it gets past that point, those two rockets on the side of it that got it to that point, they actually fall off into the earth. 
And then, then it moves a little bit further and then it comes to this point called max Q where it actually has to throttle back just a little bit because the atmosphere is so thick and there, it's, it's pulling down, the gravity is pulling it down at such a, velo- such a, a velocity, at such temperatures that, that it has to throttle back just a little bit in order to know that that vehicle can get to where it needs to go. Hallelujah. Sometimes the trials feel like those, they're just overwhelming you. And the pressures of life are at an all-time high around the world in all believers' lives. The pressure is rising, but it just means that the throttle back is happening just a little bit. And in order for that to take its escape velocity, that has to happen. And once it breaks from this atmosphere into the next atmosphere, that fuel tank completely guts off of that thing. It dives off into the atmosphere and it's no longer on it anymore. And that space shuttle goes from where it was in outer space to where it needs to be. All those trials, all of those, all of those distractions, all of those things that we think are weighing us down, they're just to get us where we need to be. All of those things in your life that are just so overwhelming, they're just to get where you, where you need to be. All of the little things in your life. The little distractions, they're there for a purpose so that you can overcome them. We're to be overcomers. We're to put every thought into the, into the obedience of Christ. We're to take those things captive. You know, and the journey of following every word of God becomes our joy. Psalms 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he doth meditate day and night. My delight is in the law of my Lord. Hallelujah. Psalms 19.7, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Hallelujah. Jeremiah 15.16, your words were found and I ate them. And your words became for me a joy and a delight in my heart. For I have been called by your name. Saints of God, you have been called by your name. Oh Lord God of hosts. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just a few years later, the Israelites came to a crucial juncture in the book of Judges. You know, it came time to possess the land of promise. And the Lord gave them a command all the way back at the beginning of the journey, Exodus, the 23rd chapter. You will possess every land which has been promised to you, but you're going to do it by little and little. If I give it all at once, the Lord says, the land would become desolate and the beasts of the field would multiply against thee. We don't go from newly converted Christians to fully matured overnight. God takes us through a process. He takes us through things and He allows certain things and He gives us revelations and He takes us through seasons of growth, seasons of circumstance. Even Elijah, a prophet of God, had to go through a season of training there at the brook of Cherith. The Lord needed him to teach him, the Lord needed to teach him a little bit more trust. There was a little widow woman at Zarephath 
who had a need, a great need. But you, you know, God, God knows exactly how to do things. He had to train his prophet. Look, I, get, I need you to trust me more. So when you get to that woman, you can have confidence in what you tell her. You can have confidence in my word when you tell it to her. So he went through a season where a supernaturally a raven would just, would just give him food and sustenance and the brook would give him water. And then there came a time for that season. The brook dried up and I imagine the raven probably stopped coming. Then it came time for him to go where God needed him to go. He takes you through things to prepare you. You know, and your seasons don't just affect you, they affect people around you, your growth. So that when someone does go through a circumstance and you've been through that circumstance, you can say with assurance, God's got this. God's got this. God's always got a divine purpose. Back in the book of Judges there, you know, the command was utterly overthrow them. That's the command. God knows the end from the beginning. So his command, utterly overthrow them. Don't make peace treaties with them. Don't compromise. Don't even allow one ounce of leeway. But the Israelites got caught up in their own thinking. They thought maybe their, their way might work a little bit better. They thought if the enemy you know, could work for us, then that would make more sense because then we wouldn't have to do as much work. So they made them their tributaries, the Bible says. But God needs us to take His Word and trust His Word. If you go read the book of Judges, the tribes, they actually started off headed in the right direction. The first tribe utterly drove out the enemy. And then, little by little, they started moving in the wrong direction. And Scripture says they made the enemies their tributaries. They allowed them to live on their land and work for them. And then, not just a few years later, they started intermingling marriages. And then, by the next generation, they were completely backslidden out of the will of God. Then the Lord had to raise up the enemy, raise up judges to deliver them out of the hand of the enemies. You know, if anybody is patient, the devil is patient. Right? He knows that just a little bit of compromise in our life will go a whole lot further in our children's lives. You know, and if he can't take you in that direction, he knows that you go down the opposite road, a whole lot of religion will take them down the wrong road too. There's got to be a balance in life. Because a few generations later, maybe it won't be your kids, but maybe it'll be their kids, or maybe it'll be their kids' kids. A few generations later, they don't even know God. They don't have their own experience with God because maybe, maybe you were off this way too much. Maybe you were off this way too much. God, God requires us to constantly come before His throne, constantly be in subjection to Him, constantly looking to what He needs us to do. Amen? When the devil sees anything that can get you out of position, he uses everything in his power to do it. Brother Branham says this, 1962, from that time, paragraph 70, he says, the only way that you can ever stay in fellowship with God and talk with Him in the cool of the evening is you stay fortified in the Word on both sides. Let the curtain of God's Word drop all around you and you just drop right in the middle of the night. That's right, you're fortified. Glory. Now, in order to do this, he, Satan, has to make it very appealing reasonings and that's the way satan does he's good at his job he's a good adversary he makes it appealing he had to make it appealing to eve he says now look dear son you don't you know what's right and wrong and you must remember this fruit is pleasant to the eye it'll make wise comes in the next uh, paragraph 144 he comes and tries to find something what god has did and then he tries to find something to counteract it 
But God has never, God never has to change His because He gave Him His Word at the beginning. He's infinite. He cannot change. And it is still His Word today. Never changes from this Word. There He is in the Word. His church is fortified with the Word. A little bit further, uh, oh, this is a different sermon. 1962, Brother Random says, God is God, Satan is Satan. And if you don't believe in a devil, you know, when I first got started, I, I run headlong into him every day. Don't tell me there's no devil because I know better. I have to fight him with, with him every day. So I know that there is a devil. And you must be trained when you meet him. Not trained in psychology, not trained in education, but trained by the Holy Spirit. God's power in His Word to make it manifest. Know your enemy. What a cruel thing he is. Brother Benham, he says that you know, we are commanded to know our enemy. You know, and sometimes the Lord can place convictions on our heart to correct something in your life because He sees what the potential of that is later down the road. Just like those Israelites and judges. The reasoning steps in and says, well, it makes it sense. It, it's, it's okay, right? But if the Lord places that conviction, you bring it before the Lord. Despise not the day of small things. The small victories lead to greater victories. Amen. And just the opposite. The small seeds of compromise can lead to backslidden conditions. Amen. Moving further in 1 Samuel, there is a man by the name of David. We're all familiar with David. Amen. He was sent as an errand boy to bring bread and provisions to his brothers. But really what he was bringing was he was bringing a courage. You know, the whole army standing there against this one giant. You know, that's what the, that's what the enemy uses sometimes in our life. He'll use worldly materials of what seems to be giants. You know, he, God could have used King Saul. King Saul was a great big man, the Bible says head and shoulders above men. He could have supernaturally swept Goliath off the scene, but God's ways are past finding out. Amen? He says in 1 Samuel 17, 39, As David girded his sword upon his armor, he essays to go, for he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. And David put them off, and he took his staff in his hand, chose him five smooth stones out of the brook, put them in the shepherd's bag, which he had even in a script, and his sling was in his hand. You see, he didn't use the materials that Saul told him to use, because what, that, what would happen in that situation, that if he did that, that it would have been more of a hindrance to him than, than helping him. You know, sometimes we're pre presented with things that, you know, may look good on the outside, but if we don't bring it before God and know that it's right exactly where He needs us to be, those things can serve as more of a hindrance than a help. Amen? God had, been, God had taught David through his Mondays and his Tuesdays as a faithful shepherd boy. And I can just, I can, I just to dramatize for a minute, I can just imagine David in the cool of the evening sometimes just pondering, you know, tending after his sheep, and just pondering on the things that his father Jesse had taught him as a boy. Pondering the Word of God, pondering those, those, those scriptures and pondering those stories of, 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 his, of, his, of his lineage and of the Israelites, pondering those things. And he came, and, and there came a point where, you know, this happened. A lion came, and, and, and the lion tried to overthrow him. But then he remembered back in Genesis where he says, you have dominion over those things. You have dominion. God, God provided him the remembrance of his word in those situations to, have, to provide for what he had need of at the time. 
And then another situation happens. A bear tries to attack him. Then he remembered that scripture. He remembered back and his faith started to build. You see, God's training ground is different than our training ground. He trains you in the simple things. He trains you in reading His Word. He trains you in listening to the message. He trains you on your knees. Because those things are so important. They teach you how to overcome. He taught him through those things. He, he, He taught him how to overcome. So when it came time to face a Goliath in his own life, It wasn't just but another thing. It wasn't just another thing. Even when opposition comes, Eliab, his older brother, was also in Saul's army, and he had actually been trained under Saul's army. If you go back and read 1 Samuel, he had been trained, and and he came before David, and he, he, he made fun of him and said, you know, what are you doing here? Why are you even here? What cause do you have to be here? You know, the pride of your heart is here just because you want to, you know, it was his little brother and he needed to have nothing and he was just a shepherd boy. You see, those things are going to happen in our lives. Opposition will come. But David comes with a statement and says, Hallelujah. He says, what cause am I here? He says, what hath this cause? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Is there not a cause? David knew his position, and he shook that statement off. Amen? Amen. It reminds me there of Jesus, you know, when when Jesus said to the disciples, if they don't receive you, shake the dust off of your feet. Amen? Sometimes we just got to shake the dust off of our feet. Because sometimes we just have to move on and keep carrying what God has told us to do. Hallelujah? David wasn't going to let the discouragements, even of his older brother, discourage him. He chose to take the battle and stay faithful with what God told him to do. This battle is the Lord's. Glory to God. You know, then those, those things that God fights for on your behalf, those things become banners of victory in your life, through your life. Through your Christian experience. You know, he faced this battle before. You faced something before. You've had victory. You can yield that sword. God delivered me here. He did this for me. He did that for my kids. He did that for my family. And it builds courage. Amen. Not much time after this. I love this story. Not much time after this, David had fought with Goliath and defeated him. He was going through some, through some difficult circumstances. You know, you know David ran a lot from, from his life. You know, the very, the very king that he had helped was now chasing him. Amen. And you know, when David starts out on this journey and fleeing from Saul, he comes to this priest, and this priest names Ahimelech. And he told him the situation, looking for bread, any supplies that he could have. And David asked, do you have any weapons that I can take with me? And I love this. The priest told him, you know, the only weapon I have around here is the very sword that you used to kill Goliath with. So sometimes the only thing that you have in your life is a banner of victory that God had already given you. Oh, and I can just imagine through the rest of his life, all the trying experiences, all the trying times, he could look down at his sheath and say, Glory to God, I know he did that for me there. Glory to God, I know he's going to do it for me again. Hallelujah. You know, many of the things that the enemy thinks he's got you on is the very thing God uses to drive you to your perfection. You ever want to stir the devil up, you know, remind him of the fact that God was around before he existed. 
and he'll be around longer after he exists anymore. And because the word says that I am in him and he is in me, I hold that very same position. So in 10 million years, when I'm shouting on the streets of glory and I'm singing the praises with his angels, when I get to see my family members again, the devil will be no more. You know, I, you know praise God. Aren't you thankful for that? Hallelujah. Glory to God. You know, as a, as a young minister, sometimes I'll preach the gospel of deliverance. You know, that's the way the Lord leads me. But sometimes it's, it's, the, it's having peace amidst the storm. That's the, real, that's the real blueprint of victory. Going through something and having a peace. I know God's got it. Oh, He took something from me, but I know God's got it anyway. Hallelujah. I know He's got it. Hallelujah. Mark 5, we read of a man by the name of Jairus. You know, he had a little girl that was at the point of death. Amen? Yes, sir. Jairus believed in Christ, but nobody knew it till trouble came. Everybody in Capernaum knew Jairus, keeper, keeper of the synagogue, but no one knew that he believed in Christ till his daughter was at the point of death. Then he confessed it. Master. And it was his love light. This is a uh, commentary I read on it. It was his love lot for his child that made him do it. A child had led him to that. Had Jairus' daughter always been strong and happy, she would have never had her fa- helped her father so. Health is a precious gift, but there are crippled lads and fragile daughters who have led their fathers and their mothers straight to Christ. And there is no service like that. The love of God will drive you through perfection, through the trial. He works all things together for good. A-L-L all. You think Jarius is going to be sitting in heaven one day thinking, man, I wish this thing didn't happen. Oh, glory to God, man, I wish that didn't happen to me. No, he's going to be singing on the streets of glory. Thanking the Lord that it drove him to be courageous. God drove him to be a man of God. God drove him to confession. Hallelujah. God's infinite wisdom does things through love. It's God's divine thoughts projecting in your life. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You know, if His thoughts... He sees that this circumstance would be used to perfect me, then to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. Sometimes the Lord will allow afflictions to come because you're holding on to something that He needs you to let go of. Amen. Some besetting weight or sin, a casual way of living. He's called you higher to that, saints of God. He wants to take you further in Him and further in your experience. David needed to trust God a little bit more. And you know, some of the most important principles that we learn about trusting God came through David's ministry on earth. I sure would imagine that David, you know, if he would have saw what he had to go through before he went through it, he would have said, no, thank you. I absolutely don't want to. I'm sure it would have been in his thought process to not face some of the situations that he faced running from Saul 
His own men wanted to stone and kill him, living in the enemy's land, watching his children die. But it was in those times that David was able to write the Psalms of trust. Be, be, be patient on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen your heart. Psalms 1, 130, you say, I wait for the Lord, my soul doth wait, and in His word do I hope. My soul waiteth for the Lord more than they that watch for the morning. I say more than they that watch for the morning. Psalms thirty three twenty says, Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our hearts shall rejoice in Him because we have trusted in His holy name. Let the mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in Thee. Amen. One of the real secrets of that greatest principle that we learn there in, in, in Isaiah is peace amidst those things. Amen? Classified material. The verse says, The youth shall faint, young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They that stand still and put their trust in Him, they won't be weary. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Sure would be in my thought process many times, thought process, to escape from some of the things that I'm going through, that we go through, some of the grief that we're facing, some of the grief that me and my family have faced, but it's in God's plan, and it's higher than our plan. And had David never faced some of his very worst trials, I wouldn't have his words of comfort to get me through these things. If you wouldn't have these things in our life, we wouldn't have them to look back on and say, I made it through anyway. I made it through anyway. Hallelujah. Think about it, friends. God placed, before He even made you, He placed a seed on the inside of you. And he, now is that time for the seed to grow to its full potential. You know, and the only way for a seed to really grow is that it go through seasons of rain. A season where it looks like nothing good could come from this situation. A time where every day you look at it, it seems like it's getting worse and worse. But that season is just watering the seed. And one day that seed will be something beautiful. It may not be something that we see in this life, but my God is infinite and He sees my next life. Glory to God. He's looking at the finished product. Jerry has always had something deep down that believed Jesus. He witnessed the supernatural, but he had a position that his pride was keeping him from. Don't let position hold you back from your potential with God. Don't let, young people, don't let things in life, distractions, don't let popularity, don't let, you know, running after education, don't let these things keep you from your potential in Christ Jesus. It wasn't until this great circumstance it led him and it drove him to his absolute. Amen? Brother Brenham says this in Jarius and Divine Healing. He says, now I'm going to shock you a little bit. You don't mind, do you? All right, for instance, the meat's are frying and all at once the grease pops out on your hand. Now, if you'll just shake it off and go frying meat, it won't bother you. Now, I know you didn't get that right. Look, the first thing, something you see grabbed your hand, you see it scares you to death. That's what it does. It's fear. Peter walking on the water. He was walking all right till he seen the water, the waves contrary and he got scared. 
Jesus said, why do you fear? That's what's the matter with the Holy Ghost people today. They've got a lot afraid. The devil's just trying to scare you out of something. He's trying to put off somewhere else. Say, some of these days you'll be this. You are now the sons of God. Now you're seated in heavenly places in Christ. Now we have all power in heaven and earth. See, now we have it. Not in the millennium, he says. We won't need it then. We got it right now. Glory! That settles it, saints. Hallelujah. We ought to quit letting the devil sideline us. You know, his tactics are changing all the time. Sometimes he'll attack you, attack you based on your feelings. But it don't matter how you're feeling. It doesn't change God's word. Sometimes he'll attack you on your past. But I've got a word that says there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I've got another word that says in Philippians 3 that you've got to let go of those things which are before and you've got to reach forward to the things which are in front of you so that you can press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah! You know, sometimes we have a hard time forgetting our past. And that can cause serious hindrances on you. But Brother Radom comes in that sermon, Perfect Faith, paragraph 19, he says, But faith is based on forgiveness. Forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of yourself, forgiveness of those around you. It's based on forgiveness. Let it go, saints. Hallelujah. Sometimes the devil, you know, he thinks he has us cornered. It don't matter how he attacks. All things work together. The Lord has it in his mind when the deliverance will manifest. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Sometimes that morning seems so far off. And it seems like it's enduring for more than a night, but joy will come in the morning. Hallelujah! That's a promise. When God says, I delivered Israel from bondage like I promised I would, you know, and I did it in a way I'll have them walk directly into a giant body of water just so the enemy thinks he's won. Then I'll open up the sea just like I closed the door of the ark. I'll train my servant Joshua in battle. He'll have him fight many battles. And then I'll have him come to a time in his life where I tell him to just walk around the city. And I'll fight that battle for him. And I'll win it for him. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. And on top of that, I'll save a harlot in that city. And I'll have my lineage come through that harlot. Hallelujah. God is infinite. Hallelujah. He's seen each mind battle that will come across your plate. He predestinated specific trials because He knew in His infinite wisdom that I would need to be changed from glory to glory. Hallelujah. He set us apart from the world. Why? I'll never know. But grace, grace, God's grace, grace that endures for all our days. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Stand with me this morning. Amen. Glory to God. He knew sometimes that, you know, I'd fall short of, of, of His glory and He'd have to drive me to repentance. But I thank Him for that just as much as I thank Him for the blessings 
You know, because he, know, he knows that no matter what house I live in, no matter what, what cars I have, you know, the, the, no matter what ache or pain he'll ever heal me of, all of those things are temporary, but my inward change is eternal. Amen. Glory to God. Yes. Psalms 18.34 says, He teacheth my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by mine arms. I read this devotional on warfare just in closing. It says, There is one resounding principle that every believer should notice from the military genius Sun Tzu. Victorious warriors win first, then go to war. While defeated warriors go to war first, then seek to win. This is very true when it comes to fighting our spiritual enemy as believers. In fact, King David has a young man already understood what Sun Tzu explains. David knew that if the Lord was on his side, then he could go into battle. Not only prepared, but go into battle with already a victor. All he needed to have was faith. So many times something will happen, the enemy will come completely blindside you. Sometimes the, the devotion says, sometimes it'll leave you thinking, what did I just do? What did I just say? Rest assured, the enemy is always prepared to fight you, always prepared to strike a blow. What better things do demons have to do, he says. God's way of escape is to provide you with the greatest weapon that was ever put into existence. The Word of God. Fight with the Word, saints. When you open your eyes in the morning, you can begin your day with the attitude of an overcomer. Don't start your day and find yourself in the battle and then try to win it. That's a principle, saints of God. You can start your day as an overcomer, then you can go into battle and nothing can stand before you. Do you have the attitude of an overcomer? Are you training for the fight? Pick up the sword, the word, and fight the good fight of faith. Saints, it says there in Jude, earnestly contend for that faith. Wake up early in the morning, spend time with God, so that when you have to go and face the battles, and you have to go and you put those thoughts into subjection, you can do it with a confidence. You can do it with the presence of God with you at all times. Amen and amen. Do you love the Lord this morning? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Amen. Let's just bow our hearts. Dear precious Heavenly Father, Lord, we're so grateful and thankful, Lord, for your word this morning, Father. We pray that it can seed into our hearts, Lord God. And Lord, we can just take your word and we can fight, Lord. We've seen how, Lord, through the years, Lord Jesus, Lord, in our history that we read today, Father, that you've always been there, Lord God, through every circumstance, through every situation, Lord, that you've allotted in our little time here. So, Father, we know that you're going to be with us, Lord. I pray that as we continue on in our day and in our week, Lord, you can continue to help us press the battle just a little bit longer, Lord Jesus. Whatever situation may arise, Father, help us just fight with the Word, Lord. Help us just take that Word, Lord, and yield it, Lord God, as a banner, Father, to know that my God can do anything. For you are a man of war, Lord. Oh, we trust you now, Lord. We trust in your battle plan, Father God. Sometimes, Lord, it's so hard to do that, Father. Sometimes things seem so hard to do, but Lord, we're continuing to trust. Lord, though the youth may faint, Lord God, 
though men shall fail, Lord, we will trust in you. I know I'll fail, Lord God, but I'm going to wait on you, Lord. And one day soon, Lord, you're going to come, Father. Lord, I'm already pressurized, Father God. Prophet of God says there, countdown, he says, oh, you just got to get pressurized. You got to get baptized by the Holy Ghost and fire. You got to climb in that space shuttle. And one day when you're pressurized and everybody's ready, we're going to go home. I know one day we're coming home so soon, Lord. Father, if there's one today that's not pressurized with your word, Lord, that doesn't have the baptism of God this morning, Father God, get it. Sink it into their hearts now, I pray. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Praise God. What you sing, Lord? Hallelujah. Let's just praise the Lord for a few minutes. Glory to God. Jesus, draw me close. Amen. Closer, Lord, to you. Hallelujah. And let the
Amen. Is that your desire? Amen. Certainly appreciate the sermon this morning. Appreciate Brother Caleb just pouring his heart out. Amen. God using things in our lives to, to help us along the way. No telling how many times it's happened to us and we didn't even realize it because maybe we weren't sensitive enough. Amen. I'm thankful God will use our past experiences to help us along the way. Amen. Amen. We'll sing this little chorus, Key of D. <clears throat> Just any day now, our Lord is coming. Oh, he'll be returning for you and me. Oh, I've been watching and I've been waiting. Just any about their car let's just remember that it's in the shops so they're uh hoping and praying they'll be able to get that fixed today and believe they'll uh they'll treat them right amen you never, you never know with some of these auto shops just pray that they'll treat them right and do a perfect job amen amen we'll sing this as we're dismissed be in prayer for the service this evening at 4 30 key of f oh jesus is a way maker jesus is a way maker, Jesus. Is a way maker. One day you made a way for me. When my life was dark and dreary, Jesus came and he answered my prayer. One day he made a way for me. Oh, yes, my Jesus. Is a way maker, Jesus. Is a way maker, Jesus. Is a way maker. One day He made a way for me. When my life was dark and dreary, Jesus came and He answered my prayer. One day He made a way for me. One day the sun refused to shine in the sinful world. And I prayed both night and day that Jesus would make a way. Then I got down on my knees and I said, Lord, help me please. That day he made a way 